to The Raptor Show on the Sportsline Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm Joe, my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, who uh, has stayed dry mercifully because he took an Uber to work. All it took was was rain for him to take an Uber to work. So, Yo, it was, ra- it was raining really hard, though. You have to you have to agree with me on that. No, I'm not going to lie to you. 7 a.m., I woke up from a dream, and I don't remember what this dream was. Ah, oh, we love to hear your dreams, man. Yeah, that was last year. This remember year, when you dreamt last year that Scotty, I think, went into Boston and, like, hit a hook shot in Game 7 or something in the in the conference finals? Yeah, this year— Actually, I that might have been my dream. Uh, no, no, that was my dream. I okay, remember okay, that. Okay. that, was, that was, yeah, it was a different tenure. We were doing the, 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 the Magic Johnson comparisons, all that other stuff. Um and yeah, 7 a.m. I, I woke up because like you could hear hail on the window, mm. and yeah, it was it was it was alarming. My cats were were, were concerned. As oh, well. are, are your cats okay? I mean, they're they're always fine. They just yeah. stay in the house. And I know you're a big cat cats things. guy. But, uh, no, so it it was you know it was wild weather, but uh, you know by the time we had to leave for work around 11, 12, uh, you were you were perfectly good. Twelve. It's so. <laughs> early. Um, yeah, your Toronto Raptors completed a two game sweep. In Charlotte last night, 120-100 win. I know you've been kind of fearful of those 14-and-a-half spreads against Detroit and Charlotte, mm-hmm, but, yeah. you know, the Raptors have been taking care of business lately. Yeah. That's the best I can say. No, I, you know, I, I think my takeaway from watching some of these games against Charlotte um, is, like, you know, there's only so much time in life, and, and we did really commit to at least five <laughs> hours of, of Charlotte Hornets basketball. Unnecessary. Uh, the schedule maker gave up on this week, by the way. Yo. <laughs> he got to the last week and he just filled in some blanks. Is that LeBron me, man? You know what? Here you go, two more. <laughs> yeah. With the Charlotte Hornets, okay? Um, uh, that's when LeBron, by the way, was infamously uh, bragging about how he invented deluxe albums. Oh, my God. He invented deluxe albums because he added three tracks at the end. Right, right. Congratulations um, to Braun. No, but watching the, watching the Hornets, I'm just like... Mm. This is this is how we looked in the Tampa season. Like you know, the other team comes in and they're like, "Okay, man, we got to play the Raptors at the end here. Mm. Who do they got on the on the court? It's Freddie Gillespie, it's Malachi yeah. Flynn, it's Jalen Harris, it's it's uh, Utah Watanabe. Like that that's that's how we looked. Like mm-hmm. as soon as recently as two years ago. So I respect the Hornets for you know at least coming out there and giving these guys uh, some young guys a shot. I mean, shout out to Svi. The guy was a plus ten in thirty four minutes. Somehow the the team <laughs> lost by twenty, which means in the fourteen minutes he didn't play, the Raptors beat him by thirty. He's their Fred. Yeah, he, yo, he's, legit. Like, what's really his what's his uh, what's his Raptor per thirty six? <laughs> oh God. So. Um. Yeah. No. I I do uh, watching the Hornets. I know it's been a tough season for for the Raptors, but the Hornets are a good reminder that it. It could be worse. Like, oh, it really could be worse. Yeah, like, they panned yeah. over to Steve Clifford at the start of the game, and, you know, the broadcast was talking about how this is, you know, Steve Clifford's uh, second stint with the with the Hornets. <laughs> the and way that, they're saying it sounds like he went back to prison. Like. And, and they're like, he was... And in between, Steve Clifford dealt with health issues, like, yeah, probably yeah. because he was coaching the Hornets, to be honest. Like, that's partially, like, that's got to be partially responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how he was the last coach to, like, lead them to the playoffs and all this stuff. And yeah, that's right. It could be worse. It could be worse. You look at the Hornets fans, you know, sitting there in their in their dollar seats, like, like what hope is there for them? I guess if if somehow, you know, the lottery balls bounce their way and get they get Victor Wambayama, it'd be great, but... No, if I'm Victor, I, I'm staying in France. You're holding out? I'm, yeah. I'm staying in France. You're, you're playing for the Metropolitan 92s? Yeah. No, I could be a Metropolitan 92, man. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's okay. I, I think, the you know... No, I mean, I, 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 I mean, look, it, 
that team obviously just was in a tough spot. Like they, they're obviously better than that in terms of the mm. players that had, you know, of, you know, uh, who were injured. But even then, like I'm thinking back to, I think in January when the Raptors finally had their first three game uh, win streak of the season, right. a little Portland, Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah, 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 yeah. When we played them at that time, it was like no matter what they do, like the Raptors are just going to beat them. It doesn't really matter like what mm-hmm. sort of stretch the Raptors are in. So, no, I mean, I thought the Raptors like handled it well. Like I, the biggest thing is obviously you come in with a professional effort. Um, it was cool to see the bench um, contribute, which was um, rare. But all, at the same time, you know, getting 11 threes off the bench between Will Barton, Chris Boucher, and Precious Achua really just um, uh, not just, like, helped things out. But I, I think in this case, like, was actually pretty important because the starters actually started slow. The, the Hornets were up 10-2 to 2 after three minutes, which was like, okay, come on. Yeah, the right? Raptors were working their way so. onto another, like, 0-10, 0-20 start. But, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. did get it together. And the Hornets did shoot over 60%. In the first quarter, so add that to the list for the Raptors. But I mean, they ended up taking care of business. Yeah, no, it was funny because <laughs> that's I, it. That's it for I was this even, segment. No, I was even watching like the the practice interviews from I think the day in between, mm. and either it was Nick or for for yeah. Jakob, one of the two were talking about this, and they were just saying like, you know, one of the things that's key here is we just got to know the scouting report, like who to close out on, who not to close out on. And I'm like. I, I feel that because, like, you really have to study the scouting report for these kind of opponents. Because, no, like, you really don't recognize a lot of these guys yeah. that you end up playing against. And that's no disrespect to these guys. I'm sure they cross paths, like, AAU or sure. in college or some other level. But in, in the professional NBA level, like, most people, like, it's it's really the Shaq meme. Like, I'm sorry, JT Thor, I was not familiar with your game. Bryce McGowan's, I was not familiar with your game. Yeah, I did um, message you during the game yesterday, and I was like, Bryce McGowan's is kind of nice. Yeah. Right, which is which is <laughs> which you're like, please stop. That's, you're like, that's please your, go back to watching Kikuchi on the Jays. That's your version mm. of saying Mehmet Okor would have been a problem. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. Um yeah, so you mentioned the the bench came through yesterday. Two players off the bench had twenty plus points. Chris Boucher had twenty one points in, in twenty seven minutes and Will Barton had twenty points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't check with Stats Williams, but I feel like this got to be one of the few times this year where they had two guys coming off the bench scoring twenty plus. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. And I think, and I think Will uh, William Barton. Um, you know, that was that no, was the no, one say in the Herbie voice. That was <laughs> William Barton. Uh, that was the one that really stood out, hitting six threes. Because coming into the game, he had five total threes mm-hmm. uh, in a Raptor uniform, and it was five of twenty four. Yeah, from three in March, and we we had talked about this. You know, backup guard position and all of this. And I know you've mentioned that, you know, Will Barnes still has that upside, right, to, to, to provide you with a game like this. And, you know, it's 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 encouraging. You know, I think, you you know, coming down the stretch now with three games left in the regular season, the Raptors being locked into the play-in, like, you know, we, we've talked about this. Like, when it gets to that single elimination game, you know, if they can get a game like this from Will Barnes, if they can get something like this off the bench from anybody, like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's going to be, that, that could swing a game next week. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I think um, from his perspective, and this is something where um, I guess I just didn't fully appreciate the fact that, you know, part of his season with watching this, he obviously didn't really go well, um, but it led to a string of some him not playing and then sort of like, and then, of course, changing teams to Toronto. And I, I do feel like you kind of do have to find your rhythm again after not playing for a while. Now, of course, mm-hmm. he had like a month here where it was just like, or not even a month, like two weeks where it was just really empty. Um, and then, of course, he had the ankle injury. And so, you know, I'm sympathetic to that 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 portion of it. But I also think that this is just part of it is just statistical vari- like variation. In this case, it's, it's, you know, he's been a pretty solid three-point shooter for his career. His career average is 36%. 
Um, even as recent as last season, he averaged 15 points a game. And, you know, that's just always been that aspect of his game that he's been able to score while they're coming off the bench or starting. Obviously, playing with Jokic and playing with, like, a pretty good offensive environment in Denver really helps. But, I mean, like, no one's going to help him make open shots. Like, that's up to him to make those. And he did get a lot of open shots in some of the previous games here in Toronto, and he just wasn't able to knock those down. And, listen, I mean, obviously, it's a very small sample when we're talking about a guy playing 13 minute, uh, thirteen games so far in, in a new team. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in those 13 games, Will Barton is now up to 36% from three, oh, just okay. based on what happened last night. And so... This is just kind of how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him just because of the fact that, um, you know, he, I'm sure he came here with a chance to to play, which he's he's been given that. Um, but he also probably wants to contribute towards a winning program. He's been part of winning programs in the past as well. So, um, yeah, you know, he's he was able to do that last night. It really took the pressure off of a lot of the starters for having to score. Like, Fred didn't have to play the entire fourth quarter, which is very rare. Uh, Yak only had to play 22 minutes. You know, Scotty, even though he, you know, ended up scoreless, didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. I think OG and Pascal took a little bit of time in the fourth quarter just to sort of like stay with the bench group, sort of make sure they're steady. And again, the worst thing you want to do is just like lose a game like this. Mm. And the worst thing for Charlotte is to win a game like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everybody got what they wanted. Everyone got what they including wanted, including the people in the in the stands who uh, who paid the dollar to, yes. to watch the yeah. game. Yeah. Which honestly, I was thinking back on this, and it's just like. You, Would you have paid a dollar to see this? On, no, from the Hornets' perspective, not from the like the not from the Raptors' perspective. Okay. Maybe you paid a dollar just to come see like twenty assists from Fred, or the sure. next game you want to see twenty points from Will Barton. Yeah, you know, like that's worth a dollar to us as a Raptor fan. Yeah, but for Hornets fans, would you have paid a dollar to see like? I think it's just paying a dollar just Xavier to Xavier Sneed and, and Kai who? Jones. Uh, Shout uh, to Xavier Sneed, by the way, CBL oh, oh. legend. Oh, okay. Um, just um, I think just paying a dollar just to be just to be in the arena, you know, mm. just for the NBA. There's still lots of empty seats, even though there were a dollar. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of empty seats. Can you slash lower than a dollar? Um, I don't know. Yo, I think at that point, you just got to hand them out, man. That's a, Again, that's a freebie. I don't think that would yeah. have been bad. So. Um, like you mentioned, you know, some of the starters, you know, Pascal had a great game. Uh, 22 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. OG, there was some concern, obviously, after the ankle sprain in, in the first half of this mm-hmm. back-to-back. And yeah. he came back yesterday, and, and he looked great, too. Yeah. Um, in 29 minutes, had a, had a couple of really ferocious dunks, too, there in, in the first half. And basically, just looked really spry. So no concerns there, I want to say, about the ankle sprain? I, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I think it was, mobility was good, and I think it's notable. Um, again, like, we all this is within the context that they were playing. Like, I mean, it's not even Charlotte's B team. This is, like, their C team, yeah. right? Um, but at the same time, like, I think that one trend throughout the season was OJ Anobi was looking to do more offensively at the start of it. And, you know, he struggled in that context. A lot of his drives, for example, ended up in turnovers. That was a big mm. point that I sort of was um, not even harping on, just tracking over the course of the season. And it was like one in every five drives he was turning over, which is just like way, way too high. And so part of that was just down to like the decision making on his drives wasn't all that good or he wasn't able to read where the defense was coming from. And, you know, he had some of those bad reads. I thought last night, and again, this is within the context of playing the Hornets, but he made a lot of really balanced, careful drives to the basket where it was, he knew when to go quick, he knew when to go strong, um, and he also knew when he could pull out a couple of moves. Like, we saw OG score last night twice off drives where he was able to use a spin move to split two defenders in the lane and to get himself into a good spot. Um, that's something that we just haven't seen as much as consistently as we have recently. Like, there's a reason why OG in the last, like, 10, 15 games is like up to like 20 points a game on like 70% true shooting. He's not actually shooting more in, in terms of like his offensive role, in terms of just the numbers aren't 
that much bigger in terms of the volume. But what you're seeing now more and more is like the Raptors giving OJ that opportunity to clear out, to attack, and he's he's doing well with those. I mean, for me, the key stats for it with, with OG is his turnovers or even just the shots that he gets blocked, right? It's similar to a lot of other guys who initiate offense. It's like, you know, those are obviously bad markers of sort of, um, you know, your ability to read the game. Sometimes you're not really recognizing where the help defense is coming from and something like that. I think OG's done a much better job of that recently. And so I'm hoping to see that continue to improve. Obviously, two games against Boston is going to be a much tougher test. And if he can continue this type of play, um, that'll be phenomenal. Because last night, he didn't even necessarily shoot the three well. I think he was one for six, but he was still overall very effective in creating offense. So that's, you know, that's a pretty exciting um, development from OG. And again, if he can continue this over the course of the season, that's where I think the Raptors can get the best out of him and improve their bottom line. And I think that can also keep OG happy in terms of like, that's the bigger offensive role. Like you can't get a bigger offensive role really than they're clearing out one side of the floor for you and you can go to one-on-one in the post. Yeah, we've right? seen some. So. Yeah, we've seen some games too. I think the one in uh, recently in Milwaukee comes to mind when you know there's certain segments of the game when OG's out there with the bench and you know they're relying on him to 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 be the primary scorer. And I think it's a really good point. Just going back to just the whole conversation over the course of this season, you know, coming in, you know, there was rumblings about you know him being unhappy about his role, like you mentioned, like wanting to mm-hmm. be more involved in the offense. You know, I think that has to come from both sides, right? You know, on the one side, it's, it's you know, the team and, and the coaching staff, the game plan, how are you going to feature them? But on the other side, like, he has to earn that a little bit as well, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, like, when the opportunities are there, you're seeing now um, over this past stretch, like you mentioned, him taking advantage of it. So, you know, maybe just bring everyone back and uh, just a coaching change will, uh, we'll, you know, get this team to the next step, but... We're not talking to Knurse today? Okay. No, I'm uh, so sorry. <laughs> already? No, I mean, no, ready, until man. there's new developments, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Man. Okay, okay. So you're, sh- you're shutting it down just like Nick. You've been asked about it for three straight shows. I've literally, you don't talk I actually about have, it. I have been asked about it for three straight <laughs> yeah, actually, shows. You're think, right, actually. No, 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 you don't understand. I believe on Monday, you were asked about it on three different shows. <laughs> Over the past no. two days, you've been yeah, asked yeah. on three different shows. I was shows. on the morning show yeah. on Monday. Tim and Friends yesterday. Tim and Friends right? yesterday. Yeah. Our show, <laughs> yeah. React Pods, yeah. Banter Pods. Yeah, like, no more. It's enough, man. Uh, we didn't even Put talk. Put it on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, there's, <laughs> there's no other avenues for me to speak on this thing. TikTok. Um, we didn't. We didn't even talk about David Thorpe recommending uh, Udonis Haslam yesterday. Hey man, can we just honestly, take a minute on here's that? The thing. Thorpe, Thorpe just gets into his mode. <laughs> yeah, he's cooking, and I just, I just can't. I can't stop him. You know what I mean? What am I going to say? Step in and be like, hey, coach, really? Like, is this what we're doing? And and honestly, like, I I do see the value in sort of like the fact that he's been playing so long. Uh Oh, here we go. There's a respectability factor. But no, that one was unexpected for me for sure. Yeah. No, no. That was. But uh, it definitely made me look up Ryan Panone, by the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts shouts to Ryan. You mentioned Scotty went scoreless in in 29 minutes, Mm -hmm. um, 0 for 7 from, from the field. Um, I mean, Scotty's obviously been playing well this second half of the season, especially recently. Um, yeah, for sure. And any concerns, like, just looking at it from, like, I guess just, like, a one-game sample here? No, because I'll stick you back on the game. And, um, you know, I think there there are times this season, and we've seen this pattern where, like, he doesn't really catch the flow of the game, mm. right? And, and whether that's sort of, like, um, you know, he's not giving a lot of great energy to sort of, like, put himself in position to score or, like, the, the tactics of the game for that night is just not flowing towards him. Or, you know, sometimes he's just missing shots, right? And I mm-hmm. think that um, last night was sort of a combination of the three of those. And we've seen times this season where he hasn't really been able to impact in the scoring aspect. Um, 
you know, until probably the fourth quarter. When, again, usually adjustments happen in the middle of the game. Of course, their intensity ramps up. Then you start to see a different sort of uh, style of production. Of course, we've covered the fact that Scotty is, you know, most productive in the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. last night, he didn't even need to play in the fourth, right? Um, but I also do – it did remind me of sort of this conversation that I was hearing. And we're going to go to a lot of clips today from – uh, Fred Van Vliet's appearance on um, Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Oh, yeah, great podcast. Everybody should should check that out. Yeah. Uh, oh, are we playing a clip right now? Okay. Um, so I, I think um, it, it's important because I think the versatility aspect for, for this one is um, is it, something where um, I'm going to send this clip to the producer because, you know, that's, that's my job. <laughs> and uh, I did not do that before the show somehow. No, it's all good. I got you, man. But, like, yeah, I think the more you expand your game, the more you're able to, to sort of avoid these kind of um, games where you're not included as much, right? Because the game okay. can flow away from you if you only really play one way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the clip over. But, uh, Alex, please please respond to what I just said yeah, so no, I can we'll, buy some time. We'll catch up on the clip. <laughs> what is this on-air breakdown that's happening right now? <laughs> We need to have, like, hand signals when that happened. Yo, if Raptor Moments is listening right now, please clip that, man. I want to see that oh, after. Brother. You know, the other thing I wanted to, to talk about, we can circle back on yeah. the versatility thing. Um, you know, people that paid a dollar last night also got to see Jeff Down play in his 50th game. Mm-hmm. And, you sure. know, in yeah. his 50th game, now that's the maximum games allowed under his two-way contract. And, you know, a lot of chatter now is is whether his contract is going to be converted because if not, he's not going to be able to play in the rest of the remaining regular season games, and he won't be eligible for the playing tournament or or the playoffs. Um, it's interesting to me because Michael Grange, um, who's who's on the road trip, did point out in his story after the game yesterday that um, you know he said that quote Toronto would need to convert Jeff down to a, to a standard contract by Thursday in order for him to be eligible for the postseason, but that would also require the Raptors to waive somebody to to create a roster spot. And he mentioned Joe Wieskamp as, I think, the most obvious candidate that everybody's pointed to. Thad Young was mentioned as well. You know, we've mentioned that he's been DMP Mm -hmm. uh, since the beginning of March. Um, But Grange also said that the Raptors are loath to do it, Uh, loath to do it in terms of just cutting someone at this point in the season um, to to create the spot, which I was kind of surprised by because I think the expectation as Jeff Down was coming up to this 50-game mark was that they were going to waive someone like Joe Wieskamp, who has not been in the rotation since they brought him back, um, to, to make up the spot. Are you surprised by this? I, I am a little bit surprised. Um, first off, I, th- I think Jeff Down is has been the guy who has um, produced in those minutes and something that I think Nick has um, trusted him to play in, mm-hmm. in these games. And again, we're not talking about a big role. And when he comes in the game, he doesn't really disrupt that much. Like last night, did he did he score? I'm not even sure. Right? Yeah, so but, he played 12 minutes uh, and he scored one point. Yeah. Got you. Okay, yeah. So, um, but I, I I do think that like this shouldn't be that hard. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't cut that first and foremost. Mm. Um, I was I, surprised to hear his name mentioned in, 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 in the article. Sure. Yeah. I get I get the Thad perspective just because of like okay he's not in the rotation just similar to to Joe but at the same sure. time I mean like you brought in Thad for his veteran leadership mm-hmm. um, more so than you brought him in for his encore production or maybe even more fifty fifty mm-hmm. and so there's that aspect there's also the other aspect where you sign him to a contract that could be useful in the off season where um, you could put into include in trades in terms of salary matching his contract's only guaranteed for like about a million out of like the five or six that he's getting paid next year. So there is a value in that in terms of mm-hmm. as an expiring. So I definitely wouldn't like, you know, just cut that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I got like Joe. Like, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, this is probably going to only impact like a very, very small 
um, part of the game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you're heading into the playoffs or even the play-in and you might need something, right? What happens if, similar to that Sixers game uh, last series uh, last year where Fred picks up a foul in the first minute and then mm-hmm. he gets into foul trouble or he picked up an injury throughout the course of the series and, you know, we had no more guards to put in there. Like, you do need backups in place. And I think that Jeff has earned enough, both in the G League level and also in his stints here in Toronto with the Raptors, that, like, you need to sort of have him at least available for you. And he's done more than that than a guy like Jeff or than a guy like um, than Joe. Like it's, um, you know, it's it seems pretty simple to me, quite honestly. But I um, I don't know. I guess we will see what the outcome is at the end of the uh, at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah I mean, we should keep Jeff. There's it, it didn't even occur to me that we wouldn't actually retain him after all this. Yeah, I'm surprised by this. As, as of right now, he's not on the roster for tonight. You know, obviously they haven't made the move yet, so so he he's he wouldn't be eligible mm-hmm. to play against the Celtics. Um, Gary uh, remains out. He did not play yesterday once again with back spasms. So you know, at first it was was it an elbow injury that that started? I was confused when he even first got injured because we didn't see it on the court. Right. So it might have happened during practice. Yeah, I think it was something. it was some kind of elbow injury, and then the, now the past couple of games he's been listed out with the back spasms, and, gotcha, and now yeah. this has extended into like a couple of weeks now. And we're coming down, you know, to the end of the season. Three games remaining for Gary Gary to get back in. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, I don't know. That's a, that's a concern to me, too, because we talk so much about the Raptors needing seven or eight guys, you know, to compete in this play-in tournament. And Gary is such a huge part of this coming off the bench. So if he's not coming back this, this week, I'm, I'm a bit concerned yeah. for the Raptors. No, likewise. I mean, I, I think if you've heard uh, Nick's answers to when he's been asked about mm. – Gary, he's he's essentially openly pleaded for him to come back. <laughs> yeah. He literally looks at him on the practice court and he's like, please. He's like, please just come back, man. Just do this during the game when the <laughs> yeah. fans are here. Yeah. You know? like, so, yeah, I mean. Uh, <sighs> it's been a lot. What, of... what can you really say, right? Yeah. Hopefully he's able to, to play. And, and, and not even just like, look, when he comes back, because the thing with Gary, too, in the previous games where he's sort of missed time, mm-hmm. there has been this pattern where he comes back, but the first couple of games he needs to find his rhythm. Yeah. And the worst thing you want to see is that happening during the playoffs or during the play-in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, you do have this opportunity here where you're able to do it. So, um, yeah. I mean, look, they've been able to weather it without him, but they've also been playing the Charlotte Hornets, right? I think you do need, mm-hmm. no matter who suits up for the Celtics tonight, and, of course, they're also playing the second half of back-to-back. They played a really tough game last night as well. Um, but I think for the Raptors, they need to have their best foot forward. And, yeah, obviously Gary's a huge part of that. I mean, again, like, you're, for example, you're not going to beat the Celtics if you're only going to make, like, I don't know, five, six, seven threes. Which, no. if you take out the Will Barton explosion last night, which obviously within the context of the season has been more of a, a rarity for mm-hmm. Toronto, um, there's a very real chance the Raptors hit single-digit threes. Meanwhile, the Boston Celtics are phenomenal at shooting threes. Yeah. So, again, you might just lose the math problem if you don't have shooters available. And I think Gary had a pretty great game against the Celtics last time they played. Mm-hmm. Although he did miss that layup to, to tie at the end. Um, and then Nick Nurse called timeout when they had a four on one <laughs> oh fast break. God. But hey, listen, it is what it is, that's man. A, that's a Payton Pritchard game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the Payton Pritchard uh, Grant Williams game. Raps, so. are, raps are really just two at a time, eh? No threes. Two yeah. at a time in Charlotte, two at a time in Boston. Probably two at a time next week in the play in. Um, would you like a play in update, Will, um, as, as we're coming down the stretch here? So yeah. Atlanta and Miami both won last night. Um, those were not the results that, um, you know, the, the Raptors were looking for. But and by the way, painful on both fronts because mm-hmm. Detroit was actually leading against Miami in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But then, you know, 
they have to lose, and so they lost. Yeah. Okay. Couldn't even do us a solid, Dwayne. Uh, definitely, Dwayne Casey would not be doing Nick Nurse <laughs> a solid. Okay. Second of all, the Hawks game. So it was, came out before the game that Trey Young was going to miss it. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, you know, that's mm-hmm. a big piece of the team. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the Bulls were down the entire game, and even when they tried to make a push in the fourth quarter, I'm just like, this team is so mid. Yeah. Meanwhile, like I don't know, like uh, the Hawks. Rookies just came in and did stuff. Yeah. You know, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin. What? Um, okay. Anyaka Kong, who's not a rookie anymore, but still a young player, was able right. to make a lot of great plays defensively. And yeah, the Bulls never even got close. It was really sad watching that team. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why the playing tournament exists. So we could see one of these teams struggle. Yeah. Well, on the bright side, you know, the Raptors gained a game on the Bulls. So they're now for, for the race for ninth. So now they're two games up on Chicago with three to play. Yes, with and the tiebreaker. With the tiebreaker. Yeah. So basically, one more Raps win or one more Bulls loss would clinch home court for the Raptors. Um, so they would clinch. You're talking about clinching ninth? I'm telling you. talking about clinching ninth. I am reporting to the MLSE, um, you know, second second quarter uh, PNL right now that yeah. they will clinch a home game. They will clinch a home game in the gotcha. play-in. Gotcha. So that's the race for ninth. Uh, the race for eighth. As mentioned, the mm. Raptors and Hawks are still tied with the same record, yes. but Atlanta has the tiebreaker. I swear, the season's really going to come down <laughs> <laughs> to that stupid game. Yeah, well, and a lot of stupid games. About. A lot of stupid games. My but goodness. But man. yeah, no, this is the fun in the play-in. You know, mm-hmm. there's a race for ninth. Uh, there's a race for eighth. So mm-hmm. the Raptors basically have to be one game better than Atlanta. Absolutely. In, in these final, which is final, which is games. why it's absolutely crucial for the Raptors to take at least one game yeah. from Boston. Yes, because, okay, so right now, because the Bucks won yesterday, yep. the Celtics lost. Yep. So the Bucks are now three up on the Celtics with three to play with the tiebreaker. So essentially, again, that it's could done. be... That one's basically Yeah, done. that could yeah. be taken care of tonight. The Celtics, though, still are two games up on the Sixers with three to play. They hold a tiebreaker on and that And they one. hold the tiebreaker. So yeah. that all this stuff could be settled tonight, uh, basically. So right, it could right. be Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly... And if you're looking at it from a Raptors perspective, let's say they get one of two in Boston. They mm-hmm. split, right? Yeah. Pretty sure my uh, Milwaukee is sending their E squad um, to, to Toronto oh, on Sunday. You're about to hear Marjan Beauchamp starting take, at take shooting Take the guard. over on Thanasis minutes, I believe. Can on, you even bet it's a man's I want to see Thanasis in the media room before the game. He probably will be. No, actually, there. I want to see Giannis there and say glizzy gone to him. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> the, the media glizzies? <laughs> yeah. But okay, the way to look at it for Toronto, if you're, if you're trying to get to the eighth spot here, is like if they go two and one, so mm-hmm. split in Boston, beat Milwaukee's E squad, then if they go two and one, the Hawks would have to go three and zero. Yeah. Right. And actually, the Hawks would only need to go two and one, because if they tie, yeah. So it's uh no, it's, it's, it's gonna looking, come down. It's to look, that yeah, stupid it's looking game. tough. Because I can't yeah. believe it. Because the Hawks have Washington tonight at Win. home. That's a dub. Well, Trey Young is is already, I believe, ruled out, or he's questionable. It doesn't matter. Man. So we'll see about we saw, that. We saw the Wizards, man. You we'll know what, Danny Abdia? We need we need the we best. Need, we need that we Gerald need, Henderson a, energy we tonight. We need a generational game from yeah. Danny Abdia. Yeah, we need that. And then they oh, host God. Philadelphia again. Philly could be playing for nothing mm. by then, and then they close at Boston. Boston likely playing for nothing by then as well. So I would say right now, if you were to handicap it, I think the Raptors are going to finish ninth, and they will play next Wednesday. At home against Chicago. And again, it's all because of that one game. Most likely. Honestly, the playing, man, who, who invented the playing, man? I'm sick of this. <laughs> Yo, there's no, we know the guy's name. LeBron called him out by name, remember? 
Who's the LeBron James of playing? Yeah, he no LeBron. A couple of years ago, was like the playing is the dumbest thing, and then he got real quiet when the Lakers were in the playing every year. Yeah. Well, then so. he said, I, "I saw three rims and I was shooting. I just shot for the middle <laughs> oh, yeah, one." He did see that three was rims. also in the play. You know what? Oh my god. We, okay, during the playoffs, at one point, we have to draft all of LeBron's lies. No, we. <laughs> we actually, yeah, we yeah, have to do a draft like of LeBron's like lies. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, all right. That that was uh, twenty eight minutes on uh, Raptors Hornets. I can't wait. Don't try this at home. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a react pod to Fred Van Bleet's recent podcast. Okay, appearance. okay, okay. Come up on the next side of this program. But I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. So, um, for the second half of the program, I mean, there's, there's no other way to call this anything else other than a React Pod Pod. Yeah, Because right. we are actually reacting to another podcast, but it was actually a really good one. Friend of the program, CJ Miles, uh, along with Amit, had Fred Van Bleed on the program uh, over at Yahoo Sports Canada on the Strictly Who's uh, podcast. I honestly highly suggest everyone go listen to it. It's it's very good. I, I think, you know, one thing is we get to take in, um, you know, I guess athletes, but also celebrities in general in, in all sorts of ways, in, in short clips, in, in prints, in, you know, whatever format. And I think with podcasts, what's really unique is, like, I think people can come across a specific way in, in, in when it's, like, a headline or when it's, like, a short TikTok video mm-hmm. or uh, even on print uh, when it's like written flat on the page. Mm-hmm. But I think over the course of like a conversation with a person, which is essentially what you're having with a podcast, you really get to know someone a lot better and you get to hear their perspective. And in the first half, I definitely teased um, this segment where we were talking about Fred, um, Scotty having the, the scoreless game going 0 for 7. And I was sort of, you know, it reminded me of this conversation where it's like the importance of being versatile because there are certain games where the action doesn't flow towards you. And then, of course, you can get, you know, left out. Right, and I think that's where, you know, it got me thinking about sort of what Fred was mentioning here uh, in regards to sort of the importance of developing uh, a well-rounded skill set so that you can be as versatile as possible. Because from day one, all I wanted to do was have a 10 to 15-year career. And how do you do that? You got to find different ways to be effective. So starting off, I'm going to pick up full court and I'm going to make open corner threes. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm going to build my legs up. Now I can shoot the 45. Okay, now I can shoot the three off the dribble. Now I'm playing with guys who can score 30, so I'm going to just spot up. Now I'm playing with Kawhi. Now I need to be a two with Kyle. Now Kyle's gone. Now I'm the lead guy. All-star. Boom, come back. Okay, now we got young guys that we want to develop into wing stars. So, okay, it's time to try to figure something else off the ball. Then we get Yak back. You got to play pick and roll with him. Sure. So, here we are, which is probably what I do best. Ironically enough, mm-hmm. pick and roll is probably what I do best. It's just that it hasn't really been a heavily featured thing in yeah. my career so far. But 
the funniest part about it is is my pre-draft workout for the Raptors was just three on three, four on four, pick and roll for 45 <laughs> minutes. And I and it's really probably the reason why yeah, they picked me. You know what I mean? Yeah. They brought me to training camp was to be able to run the show and 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 get us in offense and, and get shots huh. for it. So yeah, I mean I think hearing from that perspective, it, it does make sense, right? I mean, he he did have to obviously play a lot of different roles. And I think that, again, like that's where expanding your skill set allows you to do more and more. So I think that's a valuable lesson to a lot of players who are trying to extend their careers to have the, uh, I mean, just the, the length, but also even just to sort of ascend the way Fred has. Yeah, and I think it's interesting for him to, to put his career in that perspective because he's in his seventh season now with yeah. the team. And it's just like the way that he walked through. Sometimes you you know, have to take a step back and actually think about that, right? Like him coming in, competing for like that third string point guard spot and eventually taking on the bench role, like you mentioned. And, and I think even if you look at the course of this season, right? Like I think about the interview that he did with JJ Redick earlier this season, talking yep. about the adjustments that, that he had to make um, earlier in the season. Like one of the biggest storylines coming into the year, um, you know, before the start of the year was Fred being in a more off-ball role. Right, and then you look at how that's, yeah, and you yeah. and you look at how that's changed through the course of the season based on what the team has needed, and obviously with the addition of Jakob, like even over the course of this season, I think Fred's had to adjust to to a couple of different roles here. Oh, that was like half the Raptor show for <laughs> four episodes, I think. Do you remember the three weeks when you just had to deal to with trade rumors? Yeah. January. Well, you know. <laughs> It's fine. They got Jakob Pertle. Yeah, they took us by surprise. You didn't want to hear one Jakob trade rumor, and then finally that was the that was the move. no. But you know, made. Bobby was picking up his kids, just just laughing to himself. He's like, "Yeah, that's the one thing you don't want to talk about." Bet I'm up. I want to bring in Jakob. He's Pertle. like, "Where y'all want Brandon Boston from the Clippers?" Yeah, oh. I, I, for the record, I did not. Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, by the way, I think what they're now fifteen and nine with Jakob in the lineup or something like that. Oh, okay. Check the teams they've beaten in the though. starting group. Okay, check all right. Well, check the teams that are losing to without Jakob in the group. How about that too? <laughs> Um, anyway, so I think there was obviously the bigger part of this conversation that came out uh, with Fred was, you know, um, the, the the clip, the teaser that uh, Ahmed put out, which was about sort of him talking about how I was like, you know, being asked about what do you think about the perception of you being selfish, mm. right? And quite frankly, I didn't want to get into this conversation because it's already so toxic, especially online, which, you know, this is obviously how this is going to be disseminated, um, where it's like you either firmly believe that he is selfish or you or you don't um but yeah. like there's just like literally daily arguments on this specific subject so um i didn't really want to play those clips in fact you actually had them in the rundown and i was like no dash all of these yeah don't yeah. want to talk about this Boss. not again not entertain this conversation because we've had this conversation like a hundred times but the point is that i don't think it's going to change anyone's minds even when you do hear from him but i did want to address sort of the, the portion where he was talking about sort of how he handles criticism and i think that's the other part where people sort of took it in a different way it was like no one can tell me anything Right, and and that sort of sounds like he's not open to people um, looking at his mistakes, mm. and I do think that where everyone heard that portion of him saying that, like, listen, if you're just a random fan, like, he's probably not gonna like hear that mis criticism or even sort of take it in mm. because it's not as relevant to him. But I did want to play this clip, which actually didn't get nearly as much attention, at least sort of based on what I saw online. I make mistakes. I play bad. I, I, you know, I'm not a perfect player by any stretch. I'm nowhere near my full potential where I want to mm -hmm. be. Like I'm open to criticism. Nobody criticizes me harder than I am on myself. Nobody's harder on me than I am on myself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's another reason why I'm able to weather that. Cause it's like the, the stuff that they saying or people saying, whatever is just like, mm -hmm. 
whatever. You know what I mean? I know I'm going to break down all of my misses and, you know, looking mm-hmm. at everything, how I can be better knowing the full scope of the situation. But yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, that's been a thing this year just because uh, of the team's performance. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what what do you think about it? Like, how do you think athletes should handle criticism, especially uh, the sheer volume of it that they hear online? Yeah, I think it was interesting, you know, listening to 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 the interview and for Fred to, you know, Fred like he he in in the other part of the interview he like listed out the people that he actually cares about, right? Like the opinions, like he talked about how he only cares if it comes from his coaches during the game, like people that are close to him, or like players that he's played with before that he really respects. And I actually think that's a very healthy way to to approach it because, like, athletes just deal with a lot of noise. Like, at the end of the day, you're only accountable to what your coaches expect of you, what your teammates expect of you. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you're only accountable to, like, the expectations that you set for for yourself. You know, I think, you know, people, you know, for a lot of fans, and this has been, like you mentioned, just a huge discussion all season. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody just lo- looks at, like, the online discourse or even looking, like, a, at, at, like, the YouTube comments anytime Fred is brought up. Like you mentioned, the two sides are, you know, fans are very entrenched in how they look at Fred. Mm-hmm. But at the at the end of the day, I think it, it just only matters how he's viewed in the locker room and how he's viewed by the coaches. Like, I think that's the only, the, those are the only people, if they view him as being selfish, that truly matters. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, they're all driving towards the same goal of winning. And, and if, if people in that locker room feel that way about Fred, then it's a different conversation. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I think the, the separation here, too, is, like, um, well, I don't think what he was saying is everybody who has an opinion outside of people who are in basketball circles and his basketball circle Mm -hmm. is invalid uh, or that they can have an opinion. It's more that, like, he doesn't necessarily need to accept that. And again, like, we're talking about, like, on a person on that scale, we're talking about about thousands of feedback uh, on his game every single game. And by the way, one of those is just, like, us doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Or another media outlet doing their, their opinion on the game or their review of the game and... There's all that, and it goes into it. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about what we say either, mm-hmm. right? And again, that's that's the part that you have to sort of separate between the two. Clearly, there is sort of a process of sort of reflecting on sort of how to improve on mistakes, as I would expect out of any professional athlete. But like, I think the the key here is not that no one can have an opinion about Fred unless you played on that high level. It's more that like you need to take in what actually impacts your day to day and what impacts ultimately the result on the court. Yeah, and I think. And I think sometimes I think that messaging does get lost, like you mentioned, you know, when 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 a player like Fred, who's been so polarizing with the fans, has a conversation like this, because fans are going to sure. hear what they want to hear, right? No, exactly. Like no, fans, this fans, is not going to change a yeah, single yeah. thing. No, no, no. Anyway. And, and, uh, and, and you know, and you know what? I, I think what Fred's trying to say is is the same thing too. Like it, like he's not trying to change, you know, fans' opinions. Like at the end of the day, if you parse through what he's trying to say, all he's saying is, like you mentioned. Fans are entitled to have their opinions. Like, yeah. he's not trying to change their opinions. It's just he's not going to listen to the noise. Yeah, and I think this is why I wanted to sort of focus a conversation about sort of the um, the interaction between athletes and fans. Because mm-hmm. I do think that, especially now with much more access, and especially now with the fan base growing even larger, like, this is something that, it's not just Fred. Like, it's, it's going to have to be for every professional athlete to deal with. And this is something that he said about sort of um, the what comes with the territory of the fan base getting bigger. Mm-hmm. We are one of the top markets in the league too. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you got to realize that like some of these people is just, just, they just, they just, they just yeah. when, 
what are they venting or they just yeah. saying what they feel or they just starting yeah. whatever mm-hmm. they trying to start something they're not trying to start something like the amount of attention that it gets is way more than yeah. like normal you know what i'm saying because our basketball community as raptor fans especially post championship Mm-hmm. It's grown a lot. You know what I mean? Like there's a it lot was crazy of active, when I was there. And I, yeah, I there's a it lot was, of active yeah. engagement built around the team. And everybody have their own way that they engage in that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't never, I don't really care. I don't take it personal. I don't look at it I, like it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think? Is that just sort of being able to handle um the feedback on social media and being able to handle uh you know, all the reception that comes with being a public figure. Is, is that just a key skill that is, like, not talked about enough when it comes to today's athletes? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, you look at Fred, too, this year. Like, he talked about how he had to, like, just basically get off of Twitter, right? Like, like he he he, sure, he, talk, yeah. he referenced, too, that in the first couple of years of his career, like, he would search his name. Yeah, well, and there when are he was a younger guy. Yeah, I mean, and, literally, and, we had the same interaction yeah. with Chris Boucher. Yeah, yeah, like, so yeah. athletes ought to do that. So I do think that this doesn't get talked about um enough i actually remember doing a story when i was at the score um you know talking to cj about this exact thing like how athletes are are trying to manage their social media and even back then cj was talking about and this is probably like i don't know four or five years ago he's like i can't i gotta turn off my comments <laughs> no, on facebook <laughs> no but see, yeah, he's like i gotta deactivate uh friendster uh but like even back then, he was talking about how, yeah. like, things just get very personal. Like, we, we we saw Chris Boucher reference that on his most recent podcast, and Fred talked about this, too. You know, I, I think this part of it is a brand new thing for, like, the, the modern-day athlete, right? And, and mm-hmm. it goes back to, and it's something that, again, Fred has referenced, I think for all these athletes, it goes back to, like, the circle that you keep around you as well, right? Like, yeah, having yeah, that close right. friends group and having that, um, you know, having the, the family members, because both Fred and CJ also talked about how they... They've sometimes had to tell their wives to like stay off social because they're the ones sure, that yeah, are sometimes absolutely. wanting to go after you see the, the same fans thing and stuff. With, with, with Thad's wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, this is why positive Thad content only here. Um, you don't want the smoke from. <laughs> yeah, I don't want no smoke. Yeah. But like, this is the other thing about sports too, though. When I think about it, and I think about how Raptors fans look at Fred, right? I want to say that it's no different from say like. I want to say, like, I don't know, like any other fan base. Like when Lakers fans are very hard on, say, like a Danny Green during the season, right? But I think overall the way that fans look at sports now is, like, it's an entertainment product, and they look at it kind of like a soap opera TV show type. You know when you watch Mad Men and stuff, there's, like, one character that you're probably super annoyed at. I don't know who that is. Maybe Uh, a Pete Campbell type. Definitely Pete Campbell. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. something like that. Or Harry. But that's when fans follow a team over the course of a season and they're able to not just see them play. They're able to see them conduct interviews. They're able to see their personal lives. Like they start looking at it the same way as they treat any other entertainment product. Like there's going to be people that they root for people that they root against. And there's going to be people that they just single out and don't like. And I think Fred's in that position now for this, for this fan base. I think the, the key difference there between like, athletes and as you mentioned like some sort of actor sure. is like people can see the difference they can recognize that this that's actor not, is acting that's, real. that's a character yeah. right mm-hmm. i think when it comes to like a real life soap opera whether that's becomes like a paparazzi situation with mm-hmm. celebrities or even athletes for example like there is no divorcing of that people mm-hmm. just see them on the court and mm-hmm. if they just see that as there there is no barrier there's not like he's acting right mm-hmm. and so I mean, look, listen, there's definitely criticism, and I think obviously Fred addressed it. Like, you can't obviously accept all of it, and of course you have to sort of build yourself around it. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I do think that for the the consumer in terms of, like, um, how people perceive sports, like, 
to me, it's sort of just like it's the same way like you would do with, you know, watching TV, as you mentioned, because people just attach themselves to a person and then make it a really personal experience. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a it's a one way experience at the end of the day. Like it's not the athletes consenting for you to have this. And I'm not really talking about in that way. I'm talking about in terms of like you are attaching yourself to this person. And of course, when they fail, you lash at them. And when they succeed, you, you build them up. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not how you would treat any normal person in your life. And that's what I'm talking about with the consent in terms of the one way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really go both ways. And that's why athletes have to purposefully keep that distance. Because again, there is, it's not a surprise to anybody, but there is a ton of negativity that you would have to deal with that, again, most people probably wouldn't be able to comprehend. And then this part, which, which I heard about as well on the program in terms of the, the, the fan toxicity, in terms of how bad it can get at the extremes, you really do have to shelter yourself from that. Run the clip, Derek. No, fan toxicity, please. Like, you can't fathom dealing with this on a daily basis. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't fathom, I hope your mom dies DM every day. Every day. (laughs) Every day day you get a DM like that. Like, some random. 2020. Yeah. 54, zero, win, lose, draw. Like, you can't fathom that as a as a regular person now in our position we built for it right mm-hmm. like i got thick skin you know what i'm saying but like, you probably I, took your time to get there though i would no, imagine i mean I, my like i said my upbringing is of this like mm-hmm. i've yeah. been in real situations i've mm-hmm. seen real things like i come up around like a real outside traumatic dangerous mm-hmm. environment you know what and I'm they saying? don't d- and they don't dm like they don't dm, bro. <laughs> they don't DM. Like, that's not what they do this, this <laughs> like, is just like People yeah. talking that can't yeah. even get close yeah. to me in real life. Yeah. And if you try something crazy, it's going to go crazy. That's really yeah. how I approach it. Yeah. Yeah, fans, I think fans, listen, fans just want to be heard, right? Like you mentioned, fans want to immerse themselves as part of this experience. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And and But that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, make it acceptable for, you know, the things that they say, things across the line. I think a lot of times fans expect they expect some. They expect the athletes to like reciprocate in a way, or like respond to that criticism. Or that's feel why like, people have to understand yeah. it's a one-way relationship, yes. just like it's a one-way relationship with the television show. Yeah, but it's like my, my thing has always been like fans. You can say whatever you want, you know, criticize a player, you know, don't cross those lines, personal. Because like, it's not just. I know they were, they were just talking about getting DMs and like people saying hateful things, hurtful things online. We have seen so many instances this year and the past few years now like i remember most recently jamal murray there were some courtside fans in detroit that was saying a lot of personal things to him where they had to be like escorted out and we've seen other instances where like you know russell westbrook you know in utah and things like that like they're getting this both in person at their like place of work and also online like the volume of it is just so excessive now i always go back to fans can have their opinions fans can feel however they feel you never have to tell fans how they feel, but it's like it's, it's about drawing that line as well, right? Yeah, for sure. And again, the last thing I'll say on this is just like, um, essentially the way fans treat this is like these people are toys that we sort of play with, and mm. we kind of interact and reject them and accept them at certain points and use them mm-hmm. sort of however we want. Um, but again, like that that you have to understand that is strictly a one way relationship. So I mean, like yeah, when he talks about I got to dis- distance myself from the criticism or distance myself from fans. I think you can understand from his perspective. But again, like this is a bigger topic. 
just about for for athletes and probably most celebrities uh, in today's society, man. I don't think it, being online is good for for people. No, in general, just, but especially not for very famous people. Just in general. Um, and now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors open two game series in Boston tonight against the Celtics. The Celtics are three point favorites. Uh, Jason that's, Tatum. That's been coming down, right? Jason I, I Tatum thought it was like five. Yeah, Jason yeah. Tatum is questionable on the <laughs> latest injury report, along with Marcus Smart, our boy Payne Pritchard. They are all questionable. Al Horford is out. Uh, Jalen Brown didn't play yesterday, but he's not on the injury list. Yeah. For the Raptors, only Gary Trent Jr. is questionable with lower back spasms. So both teams, um, you know, second half of a back-to-back. We know how important this game is for for the Raptors. Celtics, three-point favorites. Um, who do you like, Will? Yeah, it, it's going to be tricky, right? Because I, I just think that um, TD Garden is an exceptionally hard place to play. Mm. Um, no, it doesn't really matter who they have on the court. We've seen the Raptors lose this season to Blake Griffin. We've seen Blake Griffin dunk on the Raptors this season, <laughs> right? We've seen Grant Williams go off for like 20-plus points. So this is a really tough matchup no matter yeah. what. Um, but obviously with Boston having played last night and um, whatever, they lost to the Sixers. Joel Embiid had like 52 points. He was amazing. Um, and the Sixers tried to pull off this like ridiculous comeback at the end and almost did it. But um, ultimately, that was a really hard-fought game, and a lot of their main guys played. Like, for example, Al Horford played, so I'm mm. not surprised that he'd be out for a game like this. They did anticipate this back-to-back by keeping Jalen Brown and Robert Williams out of it, and so, you know, you, exp- you still have to deal with them. And, of course, again, that's that's a big thing to deal with. Mm. The Raptors have lost to the Celtics this year without Jason Tatum playing, so whether he plays or not is not as much of a factor here. But um, if I had to, if I had to really... Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to pick against the Raptors. I just I need to see them match up well with the Celtics first and foremost. Yeah. But um, yeah, the Raptors are playing well. They're about as healthy as you can really be in this time of year. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Gary, but um, you're gonna have to hit a lot of threes against the Celtics to beat them. And again, whether they win today or they win Friday, they need to take one of these if they have any chance of getting to to eight. So tonight is probably a little bit tougher, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't trust the Raptors at the moment against against the. Uh you know, better competition. So I'm, uh, I'm going to take the Celtics minus three as well. Um, that was between the lines brought to you by bet rivers. It's a whole new game. All right. Well, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to the Raptor show on the sports Night radio network. Make sure you find the Raptor show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. Reminder of streaming live on sports and YouTube channel and airing live on sports Center 360 Monday to Friday from two to 3 PM. Thanks once again to producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Randale and Jennifer Rona for helping with the YouTube stream. We'll be back to talk more Raptors basketball tomorrow.